Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to the newest episode of Circuit 42. I am your host, Ian. And, of course, my circle of awesome hosts of hosting this, starting with Sandra, the banana blizzard of magic banana. We need to find Moose and Squirrel. There you go. And, of course, my, Michael Ninja Master 5000 Martinez. I don't know how I always end up as a ninja, but um, I appreciate it. And Dan the Man, he has a can of spam. Who tied me to this chair? What am I watching? Mm-hmm. No, no. Welcome to the welcome to the red room. Oh my God, Dan fell into a pit. That's not basically good. what I fell into. So tonight we'll, we'll talk about that. All the pits. So tonight we are going to be reviewing. Uh, the newest MCU movie and the first MCU movie in two years um, due to pandemic-based delays, uh, Black Widow, uh, yeah, starring yeah, Scarlett yeah. Johansson Wait. and Forge Pews. Wait, we're not reviewing that Iggy Azalea song? No. That would be better. <laughs> no. We're not. Or we're not reviewing a, a spider, an actual spider? Uh, no. Nuts. <laughs> Well, I, I mean, I did release. Here we are. I did, I did release a Black Widow in Michael's house. I mean, I'm pretty sure he'll be able to find it. Entertainers. Haven't found it yet. Sorry. Well, I don't know when well, you do. It's a, well, Black Widows are are pretty good. Thrive really well in Arizona, so. And contagious. So with that. All right. So with that, who would like to go first? Who would like to? Put their opinion of Black Widow out there. Not me. It's good, but there's um okay. Uh let's see. There's let's see, uh let's let's put the goods out there. Should we say the goods? Yes. Start let's start with the positive. Okay, the positives. Okay. I like the opening. It it made me cry. I like the post-credit scene. It made me cry. It, both of them in a good way. You co- and the other and a little bit sad. I agree with Sandra. I like the opening. I like the ending. Yes, the movie made me cry. <laughs> and here's another one. I like the supporting cast. I like Flores Pugh's. I like David Harbour. I like Rachel Wise. I- and I like that one dude who plays that one agent dude. Agent of something. Agent dude. Agent. Well, it, actually, it's. I realized through uh, Wikipedia, it's his name is Mason, who's no can go by the 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 handle a- agent. No, that's really it. According to agent. All right, Sandra, I'm going to give you the challenge of saying this actor's name. <laughs> Okay. O.T. Ah, close enough. I don't even know it. Okay, I'm just doing, like, trying to be phyletic and not offend anyone. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, Michael. What? Go, go, yeah. bro. Um, so I'm going to throw this out there. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to say it. Uh, we've talked about it a little bit before. I referenced it a little bit when we talked about WandaVision. Um, I'm going to throw out 
my, you know, admit my, my positive bias towards it a little bit because um, I have lost a sister. So, as, as, you know, spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen Endgame, but Natasha is is dead now in the MCU. So, for anybody who was thinking this was some kind of, like, sequel or anything, still had that kind of, uh, I guess, denial about it. No, she's she's really dead. And they she's do really, really it. dead. <laughs> she really is. But, um, like, like, like Sandra was saying... Um, like even Dan was saying, I'm, I'm, although I'm not sure he meant it the right way, but um, yeah, it, it made me made me tear up, especially at the end because I feel like the point of this movie was to make you appreciate and miss Natasha, and I feel in that regard it definitely succeeded. She felt very. And uh, and also I uh, I know some people are gonna like say like, how come this is doesn't released a long time ago and i think that just the fact that it releases after endgame works to its advantage because it it gives us time to breathe it's not like we need to get all these affinity stones before thanos gets it and also gives some gives time for us to get to know black widow as a person this is a very uh and you know, feel free if I'm wrong, if I'm wrong, a character driven story. No, it very much is. And I know exactly what you mean because we've had, yeah, we had, yeah, we had Spider-Man and, but that still was a movie that dealt that even though it had some story, it was still doing the ramifications of Endgame. And Mm -hmm. to have that smaller character focused story, um, that can be a, that can be a, a good breather. Because if you're going just like uh, just like in comic books, and this is something that like all major publishers are guilty of, if you're going from event to event to event to event, you don't get that necessarily get that character development. You don't necessarily get that character build up like you did at the beginning, and that can lead to fatigue. And especially with a, with a large movie audience, who I think if they kept hitting, trying to hit more, try to basically be Infinity War and Endgame over and over and over again. Eventually, people are going to get tired of that. And by having this more low-key story, despite it being a big action movie, but the fact that you tighter focus on these, this character and on the characters around her, that is in itself is a really that in itself is a good breather in terms of storytelling. And I like how you mentioned about um, you know publishing, you know the comic publishing world because this is basically a side story of an event comic. Yeah. Because this is between Civil War and Endgame, so this is like, okay, this is what happens to one of your favorite characters. What happened? Yeah, and uh, basically kind of like what Ian was, say- Ian was saying, um, this is kind of like a breather. Like, there, there's a reason why they released Ant-Man and Wasp, like, right after Infinity War, so that we can have that breather. But even at the end, they, they obviously they, they tied it in. They made us all like remember. It's like, oh, you remember how everybody got snapped away? There you fucking go. Now, in terms of my in terms of my initial take of the movie and the strengths of the movie, um, I really like like everyone has said so far. Um, no matter what your opinion of the movie, the beginning of the movie is fantastic. And it's also very yeah, and it's also very strong because there are like because 
Uh, are we going on to spoiler territory? Um, we will. Um, okay. Let's put it this way. There are like little clips of, of it that shows there's an allegory to human trafficking, especially with women. Yeah, that, that scene, that hit hard. Because it's like, yeah, the, the, a lot of the footage in the, in the intro, after the initial intro with the family, um, mm-hmm. that a lot of that just felt like it could have been just ripped from the headlines, which is really sad. Like, we, uh, Jen, like Jen and I were talking about it while watching the movie, and we're, and a lot of these things, it's like, you could take these, you could put this on the news, these are, this, it matched up with sadly, so, so much footage, like you said, of um, trafficking, especially when it comes to women, like, into, like from, from other countries into America, and out, and it's like, it hits you right there. And it continues to really hold strong up until Budapest, which I love that whole sequence. I love the fact that we have this very grim tone for in terms of the movie so far. And, and it kind of, I don't know about you guys, but it kind of ends with the prison. I, I don't know if it, I would say it ends with the prison, because the prison scene is solid, but it's when we start to go from this light, dark thriller um, mm-hmm. to something more along the lines of what we've seen before from the MCU. Yeah, it's gone from, like, like a female equivalent of the Jason Bourne movies to, like, Mar- Marvel's going to do Marvel things. Marvel's going to Marvel. Yep. And the funny thing is, if you've seen... Uh, not a lot of people saw it, unfortunately. Um, I know I talked to uh, Dan about this movie, and it was a movie called Red Sparrow that came out with Jennifer Lawrence and Joel Edgerton. Mm-hmm. And that movie is kind of like the, like almost like the hard like the hard R-rated version of something like this, and it's almost like if they stuck with that intro, they stuck with that tone throughout the entire movie. Yeah, if they stuck with the to- the the tone, you'll get a far more stronger story, and also it gives us plenty to think of the issues that's re- concerning how women are disposable, how there's the issue of human trafficking around the world. Exactly. And also another good thing is the found families theme. I'm a sucker for found family, especially if it's a found family of spies and assassins. I completely agree. Cause honestly, like specific, like I really honestly like Rachel Wise is one of my favorite actresses, but she didn't really hit for me for this movie out after the beginning. But in terms of the stuff with um, Scarlett Johansson as Natasha and Florence Pugh as Yelena, which I'm really excited that she's going to end up being uh, the main one of the main antagonists in the new Hawkeye series coming out on Disney Plus. Um, that um, they hit hardest for me in terms of like feeling like this is actually two people who actually grew up together. And um, definitely with Alexi as well. And even though with David Harbour's Alexi, he um, he did feel more of a what we see in a lot of MCU characters. There's moments I like with it, I like with him where he talks about, oh, you know, look at all the good for you I did for you. You're this trained killer. You can do this. But it's like you realize how disconnected from reality Alexi actually is. He wants to live out the glory days. Yeah, and. He's so dehumanized that he thinks that what he's done for his kids is in any way a good thing. 
It sounds like it could be another allegory to, like, you know, how parents are, like, pushing their kids to be, like, you know, what be- what's better for them, for the parents, and not what's better, what's best for the kids. Yep. What about you, Ben? I'm okay. Um, good things. Like like uh, Sandra was saying, I really liked how the opening started for the movie. I liked the whole deal with the Red Room and all that, and you know, just being ex-Soviet uh, 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 sleeper cell agents, and we went from that to this completely different tonal movie, and. But uh, but I really wanted to stick with what the movie initially came with. I didn't really like the ending. It was really good as well. Um, there was a few other parts I liked. Uh, David was pretty good uh, playing Red Guardian. Uh, I just wish they would let him do more than what they gave him. I felt like uh, his character was underutilized and I get we were trying to push uh, the other two characters as well as uh, a lot but I feel Red Guardian could have had his moment in the sun a little bit more as well I, like I like the moment when he's like holding the doll and he pulls it and it just the head pops off and everything like I know it's just so they could set up to escape but it's just the little nuances like that I really dug about the movie and there were moments that were really funny that was really getting me back into it and then they would stop doing anything to that effect and I was like kind of taking me out of it so those are the good parts I would probably say as far as just overall um, and I'll get more into why uh, I I was disappointed in certain elements of this I'm not saying it's a complete train wreck worst movie ever but there's definitely some problems I had with the movie just in tone and you know just the way it plays out but we'll get into we get to the bad section it's not exactly yeah it's not exactly a bad movie but it's it's like it's one of those it's good but here's a here's a scroll list of things yeah essentially and i do honestly wish i had uh your experience there michael where you just enjoyed the movie as a whole because of what it just did for you uh just with you know your, this the tragic passing of your sister like several years ago and how this resonated with you like i get that like i'm not trying to take away from your enjoyment of it i just wish i had that same enjoyment you got out of this well there there's a couple things um that i think uh it is very weird to me because I, I have been keeping track of some of the the criticisms that have been lobbed at the movie and there's some things that i guess they they strike a little bit weird to me when i think about it because there's one of the things that people like to bring up about the movie they say like oh you know she's she's gonna be fine for um for infinity war and all that stuff because of the placement of this in the mcu timeline but it's like do we really go into many of these marvel movies thinking that the title character is gonna die anyway I don't really think we do. Another thing is that um, when, when we look at it in terms of like who's gonna who's gonna die, like as far as the uh, the, the characters and supporting cast and whatnot, um, I think we've talked about this a little bit before. It's always a matter of like having to balance that in terms of the story and the, the greater universe. And do we really want that character? to be dead or available for future projects 
because I remember part of the, the main criticisms for some of the earlier Marvel movies was that they were killing off some characters that they should have kept around. Villains specifically, yeah, and I agree with that factor. Um, And I think that's more of an issue with Marvel as a whole with their formula is they kill off good villains, and then uh, there's not enough uh, stakes with the heroes that where if a hero's in trouble, then we're going to be like, oh, God, no, they might die. And I think that is more my very valid criticism logic at the MCU as a whole, where – we know that the villains are not safe, uh, at least up until recently, where they actually got better with their villains, I will say. But the heroes are usually always safe. You don't ever go into go, okay, this hero's not coming back. Like, even Loki, where we've actually had him die, he still came back in some form. And that's where you start going, okay. Gator Loki. That's Loki. <laughs> He's the and Gator Loki and all that. Gator Loki. I, I'm not saying that the show's bad because of it. I'm just saying it, it goes into that whole stakes thing. Uh, like, yeah, it's a, it's more of an MCU issue more than a Black Widow alone issue. Uh, when I when I say that, you know, the stakes issue, what I'd say with this is because we already know Natalie's going to be in the next thing because she's is setting up for right before Age of Ultron here. Especially when she gets the blonde hair dye and all that. No, Age of Ultron was way Invisible. before Civil War. Yeah. What was yep. it? Yeah, this is Civil War. Yeah. Sure, that's the blonde hair from the Civil War. I went backwards, yeah. sorry. It's all good. Uh, but she had her hair that she would eventually have in Endgame, uh, in Infinity War. And so we know she's not going to die yet. I mean, eventually she will. And that's the. And we and that's what led to you know the end of this movie, and uh, in that regard, yes. Now the other characters outside of the sister, they don't have that same stakes situation. Like the like Red Guardian could have died, the mother could have died, and you know that would have actually made sense uh, without you know really hurting any like future projects thing. I just feel like sometimes it's okay to kind of shake up the hero dynamic to kind of develop a stronger narrative. And I think with Nat dying at the end of Endgame, it kind of does that, but I feel she was cheated by the whole Hawkeye thing. Uh, and the same thing with Loki. Like, when he passed away in uh, Infinity War, I thought that was the perfect way to send his character off. And then we pull him back into the show, which I, I, dug, I dig the show, but these are the kind of things that I'm like, are we going to ever have that moment with Marvel where someone's gone and, and they're actually a major hero, kind of like, you know, with Captain Marvel in the actual comics, the original Captain Marvel? How about Iron well, they, Man? They did that with Tony. Yeah. They did that with, they're kind of doing it with, with Steve. Like, they're even with, they're basically saying in, in Falcon and Winter Soldier that he's gone now. They're basically alluding that he's dead. But um, going back to when we were talking about, like, hey, like the, the timeline of this and, um, you know, any you know, the confusion about it kind of reminded me of another thing that I've been hearing about the the criticisms lobbed at the movie, and it's that you know it's the timing of it is all weird, and you know because of its place on the timeline, there's no point to it. But when you think about it, um, a lot of the events of say like Doctor Strange were like mixed in to like the past, and most of that movie took place in the past. 
And then also the same thing for like Guardians of the Galaxy. It didn't necessarily mesh with the timeline of everything that was going on, but it still happened nonetheless, and it didn't prevent it from being a good movie. I would argue that the main reason I have an issue with this movie isn't because I didn't think we needed a Black Widow film. I felt we should have gotten one sooner. What really came first? Is it is it Captain Marvel or Wonder Woman? Or, as, or even Black Widow? As far as comics go? Like how like female led comic books that make like or even having the idea of it. Well, like technically Wonder Woman came first, but they did do that secretary bullshit with her with the Justice League. It wasn't really yeah. a secretary. It was a full on BDSM comic mm. when it first came out. That's, we're gonna, the, that's not much yeah, better. The polite. The creator, yeah, the creator. I prefer to think about it as you know. At, at least it's not that. I'm just saying that's what Wonder Woman was like. They like tied up. She kept being tied up by her lasso of truth and shit. That's all it ever was. It's like Jesus. Um, but yeah, she technically came first. Uh, Captain Marvel, the female version, didn't come until the original Captain Marvel died of lung cancer, I believe it was. Yeah. I I just no I I meant like in the film like film wise like. Oh, Wonder Woman. Yeah, Wonder Woman, and then Captain Marvel. Okay, so with the success of of Wonder Woman, they decided to put Captain Marvel first instead of Black Widow. Although yeah, that's my Captain Marvel is, a, is so, but I you know Captain Marvel's fine. I think it's kind of like the same thing that they did with Hawkeye. Hawkeye didn't get till show until literally this year. Same with the Black Widow situation. Uh, they didn't feel these characters were major enough that, or to warrant their own movies and to detriment to the characters, unfortunately. And what's and that's sad because I really actually liked uh, Black Black Widow in uh, Winter Soldier very much and like her earlier and it just built up from there. And so I was really hoping with this one I would get that same resonance from when she had this her part in a uh, winter soldier. I just didn't get that same vibe from this film, unfortunately. Well, you got to realize it's the, uh, the directors. Mm-hmm. There's a big difference between the rooster brothers and whatever. Okay. Shortland. Okay. Shortland. Uh, short, short, shortland. Shortland. Like, uh, shortland. Although, although, you know, Awesome. You know, good for her. Good for her for directing. Yay. Just don't cut her short. <laughs> well, that, was, that was bad. That was, that, that was that, great. That was terrible. All right, so moving on from that pun. <laughs> anyway. Uh, back. So Andrew? That's basically what I was saying on that. Okay, so um, are we getting to the are we are we getting to spoiler territory or or we're going straight to the bads? I'm well, Mike. Well, um, Michael, uh, you can uh, you didn't really get to touch on uh, what you particularly enjoyed about the movie. I know you enjoyed the movie as a whole, especially with its emotional resonance with you. But is there anything else that you want to go into before we uh, come to the other side of the review? Uh, well, I did appreciate the fact that they just um they utilized Ray Winstone um his his presence as a as a piece of shit 
Like they, <laughs> they, they know that he has like a type. They, they, they casted him to type. They did that well. Um, they did a really good job um, casting the younger versions of um, of Elena and Natasha. And that, as always, they did a good job with the de-aging technology, like everybody was saying. They did a really um, awesome with that opening sequence. It was very uh, reminiscent of the Americans. Um, I just kind of wish, uh, and I'm probably, this is probably why I tend to like to review after I've seen it twice, but I might have missed it. But what exactly, um, I, what exactly they, they, I wish they touched on a little bit. And I'm talking about positives, but I'm also saying, like, I wish they touched on, like, the mission of what they were doing in America a little bit more. Um, but Absolutely. They're, they're trying to get a thing from S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. Um, I'm not exactly sure what it was yet. Yeah. I thought it kind of, pl- I thought it would, I thought the beginning would set up and would pay off later in like at the end of the movie, but where, what happened? <laughs> what's, yeah, what's the and, thing? Um, but yeah, that was, that was a little bit weird. Um, they just kind of like just gave him like a general mission to do whatever. Um, but as far as like positives, um, I, I also thought the action was really good. Um, Taskmaster was pretty uh, formidable. Uh, when when they were used, <laughs> but um, mm-hmm. there there was that almost too formidable. Um, I, I like like I really like the action. I really like the interactions also between uh, Yelena and Tasha. There was a lot of there's a lot of strength there, and um, even though we've already seen uh, what uh, Florence Pugh can can do in other movies like uh, Midsummer and uh, some of her other roles. She really um, little women. Displayed... She was the like little woman. She was the best. Yeah, she really displayed her range in this, and um, she got to you know be showcased almost as much as Scarlett Johansson was. So it really makes you look forward to what what else she's gonna do, and kind of makes you happy that she's there um, as somebody who could potentially step in in the shoes. Yeah, I completely agree, and like I said, it's part of another one of the reasons, besides the fact that it's so clearly based off Fraction's Hawkeye run, that's part of another reason, like I said, that I'm really looking forward to the new Hawkeye series. Ooh, I love I love Hawkeye, I love Matt Fraction, can't wait for Florence Pugh's to kick more butt, because fun fact, she was in this one movie called uh, Fighting for My Family, and oh, she kicks up... It was a really good movie. I don't, and I'm not a fan of wrestling. Yeah, I had the so same experience with it. Um, I, I didn't even realize that was her at first. And um, in the somebody, fighting for my family. Yeah, and I, I didn't realize that was a Florence Pugh in it at first, just because I'm used to like seeing her as a blonde. And also, um, somebody mentioned to me how it was kind of like based on on a true story. Somebody was more of a wrestling fan than I was, and I just uh, thought that the trailer looked good. And there was also another well-rounded performance from her. Exactly. So, um, with that, uh, Sandra, let's mm-hmm. uh, once uh, let's roll back to you. What are you, what are your issues that you had with the movie? Like kind of looking at. Uh, I here's the thing. To be honest, I felt bad not getting that whole like, oh my god, this is the best movie ever with 
three R's at the end. That's okay. Because my, I came out of the movie saying, it's good. It's okay. It's fine. Like, what else is on? So I think my issue is like, one, having my suspension of disbelief, like, getting out the window at certain scenes, like the, the, the jail breakout scene, like, where, you know, of course, in in the world of Hollywood and TV, you'll get the trope, and you, this is on TV tropes, the Imperial Stormtrooper Marksmanship Academy, where the bad guys are shooting, but they m- definitely missed the main heroes. And I see that more glaringly than usual, because, you know, it's you know say you know baddies shoot shoot the good guys it's normal they missed but it's more often at least can you at least have like one like one bullet to like great likely graze to the hip or something to know like ah i got i got shot no but it'll be okay she's she's fine just put some band-aids on it she looks like she's falling off her bike I mean, that will give me some sort of believability. And also, from second act, first act, second act, little little bit of the ending, including those, the post-credit scene, awesome. What's sweet, the weakest part is the third act. I don't know why. I guess it's like, it's just, I'm, you know, you see one Marvel movie, you see them all. It's you know, Marvel's gonna marvel. It's like you know, shoot 'em up, beat beat everyone. This time, it's in the sky, and there's no magic, so it's not like Wandavision. So that's my main issue with the with it. It's just the third act kind of like threw me off and like gave me, I don't know. It's just like, eh, it's okay. It is funny because it really does sign something that uh, Dan brought up. Um, when he's talking about the lack of stakes in Marvel movies for the most part. Like, obviously with Endgame, that was a different situation because we had the death of Tony, we had the death of Natasha, and um, like Michael mentioned, the implied uh, later death of Steve, of Steve Rogers' Captain America. And, um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, that's a perfect example because it's like, you know, like you said, not all bad guys should be stormtroopers. And if you don't see someone actually getting hurt in a battle, if you see someone just invent, if you see what is actually a normal human, despite the mental and physical training, invincibly just running through everything, and um, apparently one can crash their car upside down, scrape it down to subway stairs, and into a subway when and just walk out of the car just fine, with nothing more than a slightly injured arm. Yeah, and yeah, that's a. Really legit criticism, and I just want to point out that that does really tie into something that we've talked about throughout the show so far. Yeah. Although I want to say one good thing about the third act is that um, they're not afraid to make uh, Black Widow like get get down and dirty and ugly. I know what you're like, talking about when she just busts her uh-huh. open on the table, basically. That yeah, scene willingly, stood out like, to me. Or willingly or like try to like entice uh what's his face eat her face yeah i i almost there are times when i say the his name i thought i almost said draco 
<laughs> it's like, man, Draco ate a lot of potatoes later on in life. Like a uh, lot. Drago. Yeah. Drago. Or Drago. Draco, Drago. What about you, Dan? <laughs> Drama issues? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Unlike Michael, the actor who played the leader of the Red Room had a very bad Russian accent. It's not his fault. He's a hardcore British actor who attempted to pull off a Russian accent. But the British still bled through, and it bled through a lot. I mean, he tried. To his credit, he tried. But that was probably not the best choice casting-wise if you can't pull off the Russian accent effectively. So it's the case of... So it's the case of, what happened to your accent? What happened to your accent? Yes, it was basically like, hey, Wanda, what happened to your accent situation? I mean, he's a great actor, and I like a lot of his other stuff, but in this movie, the Russian just was overblown by his British accent. Um, Actually, I did forget about the table thing. That was actually effective, I will say. I did like that as well for the good part. Um, as far as the, my other issues with the movie, we're going to get into this probably a little bit, me and Michael, uh, Taskmaster. Uh, I felt that this movie with Taskmaster was very much a, a tread back to Deadpool. And no, not the good Deadpool. We're talking about oh. Wolverine Origins Deadpool. You know, little sealed mouth Deadpool. It's like the villain that is like, hey, I'm coming at you type thing. But like, I'm supposed to be afraid of a really bad skull mask. I'm sorry. I, it may be comic accurate uh, to like some of the earlier books. I just wasn't digging it. Like, and it's not even because it it wasn't Tony. Like, I was like, you know what? Fine. Don't let it be Tony. Let it be someone else. But at least make them funny like Tony something. I mean, if I wanted to see uh, that of the Deadpool or even uh, Robert Patrick Terminator, I would just go watch those. But I was trying to get Taskmaster. When you give me Taskmaster, it's either going to be some comic relief situation, kind of like Deadpool, but still very formidable foe that has the powers of uh, certain heroes. Like, I think on the bridge, honestly, uh, in the earlier scene, which I did kind of like that, where they were setting up Taskmaster, um, that was a Spider-Man move when he when he was flipping around. I mean, I could be wrong, but like when he's flipping around on the bridge, it looked like he was doing some of Spidey's moves. That was actually, and that was really cool. Yeah, that I liked. And then the movie stopped doing that, and it just went, I'm coming to get you, for the rest of the movie. And I'm like, you know what? I get why people would enjoy this. I just couldn't get behind it. I was like, they could have done better with Taskmaster. I felt this was a disservice. Even if they were trying to do a new take on it, I just didn't like the new take. Um, What else was an issue with the movie? Um, Like we were talking about a little bit earlier, the tonal shift, like it went from spy movie to uh, campy to... uh, uh, typical Marvel tropes. Uh, like it didn't know what kind of movie it was trying to convey in a lot of the time. And I felt like I was like, what are you trying to give me here? 
I shouldn't go in and another issue, which is, you know, not really the movie's fault. This is just my own personal thing. I shouldn't be like, I enjoyed watching fast nine more than I, wa- I enjoyed the Marvel movie. I watched over the weekend twice. Because it's about family. <laughs> yes. The movie about family and going to space with cars was more entertaining than black widow. And which don't get me wrong about which is about family and and they're going up in the clouds. Oh yeah, the cloud thing was my biggest issue. You're telling me that during the time of Shield and everything else, that radar, just basic radar, nobody's like, that's a funny cloud. It's not coming up on our radar. Oh, Thank you. best Thank voice you, ever. Oh. Thank you, guest host Don <laughs> Rob, Don Knotts. Oh, yeah. Nick Fury, old man. Uh, Nick Fury, old man swears at cloud. Yeah, like it was cool. It looked formidable, but I was just like, logic started going out the window. It's like, oh, yeah, like nobody's gonna see the giant floating spaceship in the clouds. I'm like, okay, I guess that's a way of hiding the red room. I didn't say it was a good reason to a good place to hide it, but they hid it. Sure. Someone saw saw what way too many Ghibli movies. <laughs> yes. Um what else do I have issues with? Um Don Knotts forever. I have Don Knotts. <laughs> uh but yeah, um what else did I have an issue with? I actually dug the sisters' character and I do want to see what she'll do. In Hawkeye, I hope that they really expand her out with her on her own type thing. Like, the family dynamic was good and all for what they were trying to do, but I want to see her break out on her own, and I think Hawkeye will allow us to see that as her joining the Thunderbolts thing. I was, oh, even though I'm trying to raise my hand, I'll lower it. Uh, I was going to say, like, if they, I People are like up in arms, like, oh, why is why is Yelena working for Contessa? She's the bad guy, blah blah blah. Here's the thing, we don't know for a fact if she's really the bad guy. She's Maybe clearly she's just, the leader of the Thunderbolts. Come on, she's just shady. She's already recruited U.S. agent. U.S. soldier, U.S. soldier agent. Whichever his name he's going by. Today. So maybe it's going to be like the reverse, like those, the role reversal, like Yelena's really, instead of just like assassinating, try to assassinate Clint, it's really like, hey, do you want to join, join our group? And then, yeah, then Contessa Valentina will emerge, clapping her hands like, good for you, good for you, good for you. I will <laughs> have to tell you about the Thunderbolts of initiative. <laughs> I will have to say, I do agree with Michael on one thing. I did wish that they did flesh out the mission itself more at the very beginning of the movie, where it just sets up their characters more. I, I like Even if the movie gave it an extra 10, 15 minutes to do so, it would have been fine. Like You could cut out some of the erroneous parts of the film that didn't really need to be there, because there were certain parts of the movie that kind of dragged that could have been easily left on the cutting room floor. Also, uh, beyond that, I think the only other issue really majorly that I had with the movie is the awkward friend zone thing at the end with the guy. It's like, you're the best friend I've ever had. I'm like, and he's like, yes, just what every guy wants to hear. And I'm like, 
Oh. All I can okay. think is like, who are you? It's that guy. I thought they were just. Hi, I thought they were just in like one movie. Uh, bye. I I was like wondering like who is this guy? I mean I don't mind. I mean, and they say like on according to Wikipedia he's the love interest, but I don't see any. Is I don't know. Did I miss anything? Is he like the love interest? He's because what a I thought he's just a. He's, he's the guy he that just, can get things, and then apparently yeah, has a he's crush just a on him. I thought he's just a guy who like has connections and just sleeps on her couch. Winnebago man, away! <laughs> anyway, um, I like to interject something. I mean, the third act. I here's the thing. I wish it would happen between uh, Blackwood, you know, Natasha versus Taskmaster. I ho- I wish. It'll be like, you know, like all, all like Yelena, Alexi, Melina, uh, Melina, yeah, Melina would like join in so they can fight together as a family, cause, cause that, I, you know, that's supposed to be the motif of that movie, family. Dang, I sound like that one meme. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm so sorry. I have to. I, I keep trying not to laugh and to think of Vin Diesel's face on every <laughs> meme ever. Whatever time you're saying family. I'm like, I'm saying, you know how you have that level of like attempted self control where you feel like you're gonna have a stroke? Yeah, I'm right there. He's yeah, on like... meme. <laughs> He's a, he has a meme overload. <laughs> yeah, I guess the last thing I want to say about it is like I just feel like the family dynamic wasn't really realized in the most effective way. They could have had more time to build that together. And I think uh, adding more to the beginning a little bit and just trimming some of the stuff that didn't really need to be there from the movie could have really developed that. Oh, wow. We really feel for this family unit now that they finally come together at the end. I mean, it's almost like it could have been a good Fantastic Four movie if they had done it right. Hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's try it. try it. <laughs> you get a gold star for your troubles. Bam. <laughs> the fantastic Soviet Four. Yay, communism. Wait, what? Okay. And so, um, yeah. So I'm just gonna say, I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm going to repeat something both of you said. This movie doesn't really have an identity. This movie is like four identities, which is yes, that does maybe tie into the fantastic. Yeah, it's there's like four good movies in here, and that's a problem. You should have one good movie, maybe two, but it, I think it, it's more like too many cooks in the pot, right? Exactly, and I'm going to mention that right now because the main apparently the main writer for the movie was uh, Jack Schaefer, and Jack Schaefer, I know like some people some people uh, are mixed on Wandavision, but Jack Schaefer created the show Wandavision, and overall it's really good. Um, then you have Eric Pearson, who, um, if I remember Eric Pearson wrote, uh, Agent Carter, which is also really good. Thor Ragnarok, um, who, he was a secondary writer on that. And Godzilla vs. Khan, which was kind of overwrought, but I still really enjoyed it. And then you have another writer, so it's always a good sign, uh, Ned Benson, who I've literally never heard of. At all. I don't know what the disappearance of Eleanor Rigby sounds is. Sounds like a sounds like a character from a Nickelodeon sitcom. Yes, this movie didn't need three writers. This movie needed one writer, 
with a tighter focus. And I feel Absolutely. like having three writers created basically created three different identities. And Kate Shortland, I've seen her other work. She's not like a huge Hollywood director, but she's um, she did the movie Lore back in 2012, which was really good, and Berlin Syndrome back in 2017. These are both really good, really acclaimed movies. And this was kind of her breakout movie. And you have some really strong talent and some people who just kind of are in there. And I'm like, why are you, why are you necessary? Have wonder. I just want to be popular. <laughs> exactly. Have, you, you get him, Ned Benson. You got this. I bet. I, I know Ned Benson's probably a very nice, nice person, but um, yeah, he's, he's the Ned Benson of the podcast. Um, <laughs> and like everyone, like so far, like you, Sandra and Dan have said, the opening of this movie is great, and if we had stuck to that opening, if we had stuck to that tone, we would have had something completely different from anything else in the MCU. And unfortunately, we didn't. I don't know if people we were... could have another Winter uh, Winter Soldier. Yes, this is this would have been her Winter Soldier. Um, I can't guarantee that. Obviously, like I don't really know what that original storyline was like. None of us really knows, but um. Yeah, it was just this chaotic hodgepodge. I mean, we uh, what is I what is I called it when I was talking to Jen after the movie? We end up having this really, uh, even though it's outlandish, we have this really like exp- explosive jailbreak, and then all of a sudden we're dumped in an exposition cabin where it's like, okay, now for the time that we sit down and explain things to you, because clearly that's what we as an audience want to have: people sitting in a cabin explaining stuff to us. Because that's good writing, you know. As you know, let me tell you the story for the audience. Um, and then it just kind of continued in the third act where we, all of a sudden, we have this big explosive action scene. And, you know, I will contradict something that you said about the Red Room, Dan. Because we've already we've already shown that since the first Avengers movie, there's been cloaking technology. We may not necessarily see it in this movie or see it being used, but that doesn't mean that it's not something that they may have. But with the technology that Red Room has, it makes sense that they would have some kind of stealth technology that wouldn't necessarily be tracked, especially if they've been doing what they've been doing for years. Because, I mean, they have a freaking flying sp- flying space skyship, so I'm pretty sure they have some kind of stealth technology to keep them from being detected. Um, like, you guys, like, you, like you both said, the Taskmaster scene, the first Taskmaster scene on the bridge... That was fantastic, and I love the little teaser where they show on Taskmaster where they show her training. That was really good too, because you get to see her pulling directly from Hawkeye and the other Avengers, and so it makes sense when we see her replicating their moves. Um, I feel like Olga Korolenko is not coming, and this is unfortunate because I know we talked more. Our focus is more on the accuracy of the character in terms of the tone and the terms of personality. The sad thing is a lot of the internet doesn't really lean that way. A lot of their criticisms have sadly been based off of the fact that Taskmaster is a woman. And Yeah, the internet is very hyperbolic that way. The, the internet's very sexist. Um, yep. I was trying to be polite. Yeah, I'm, I'm done with that. I'm basically done with that. Um, and Olga Kurilenko is a fantastic actress. And from what I've gathered, a lot of the a lot of the fight scenes we saw, that was all her. 
like in and out of armor, which is awesome. Because I remember hearing when she did Oblivion, like she couldn't handle the flying gimbal that they're using in the movie about, without vomit, without like vomiting and getting sick. And um, also because apparently Tom Cruise could handle it, and he liked to spin it around real, real fast. Which I'm not gonna lie, if I if I knew how to do that, I totally. I'm that kind of person. I would totally fly that thing in circles and upside down and everything because I'm, I'm that kind of person. But, um, and I'm not, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it felt, it felt like a waste. Cause this is someone who's clearly built herself up as an actress and clearly built herself up as an action actress. And like I said, if, if she did do as much of the action stunt work that she did as taskmaster and she's basically going to get crapped on, um, because of things that not sadly, unfortunately, not the a mixture of things from the plot and mischaracterization, but unfortunately, a lot of it because due to her gender, and it's very aggravating to me. Do I feel that like the Taskmaster character is not as handled as well after that opening scene? Hell yes. Um, this was really not the Taskmaster. This was a different character with with the same ability. Um. There were there were some issues with the movie. I think I kind of laid them all out without going into like an hour's worth of um, information. And I feel like a lot of my issues have already been covered by both you and um, both you Sandra and by Dan. Um, yeah, I went I went in really wanting to love this movie. Yeah, and I I do, I do, and I kind of felt bad like not having this like the like to have the same reaction as other people saying like this is the best ever with three R's. So like I like you know I kind of felt bad. And what about you, Michael? I'm so sorry. I just realized this. I I realized I accidentally went before you. No, no, it's okay. Um, I I, I don't mind uh, being patient. I like taking in uh, everybody's view. Um, when, when we're talking about things that, uh, I, that didn't necessarily sit so well with me about the movie, um, yeah, there, there are definitely some parts in it where, like, we specifically brought up that, that scene where the car crashed and flipped around and went into the subway. Uh, even as somebody who enjoyed the movie, that, that's something that can take you out of it and be like, um, so they didn't break a bone or anything? No, they're, they're all good. So that part, was a little bit weird. Um, there, there's just a little bit too much plot armor on them. Uh, like, like people were talking about, there definitely could have been some deaths and some injuries to make this feel um, a little bit more uh, impactful to me to give or these characters some, some, some more even scars. Even like a little bit of this, you know? even a little bit of pain, like ow, just the moment yeah. they can say ow. Well, well, you, you know, so. Even as I'm, I'm I'm digging into things that I, I didn't like about it, and still reminds me of some of the things that I that I did. So when when we're talking about, um, like say like, uh, San, uh, Sandra brought up how Black Widow needed to get like beat up some more, and and she did to an extent, even though in in scenes where she should she should have got messed up a lot more, like in the car crashes specifically, because she was in multiple car crashes in this movie. Um, like she probably could have been hurt more, but there are certain bits in it that made me that when I think about it, they kind of make me smile because specifically there there's that bit where you know they're trying to evade some other widows, and mm-hmm. Yelena is like 
all about, you know, just like, fuck this person. This person's trying to kill us. But Natasha tries to save her. And in trying to save her, she ends up getting messed up like really bad and suffers a pretty horrific fall. But that just goes to show the difference between her and her sister and what makes her different from what she used to be. Like she's not just a killer anymore. That So I did like that. But Jeez. and going back to something that I didn't like, though, uh, th- there are some things about Taskmaster that I didn't like, but for different reasons. So we initially were talking about this um, right after the movie came out. And um, I think maybe Sandra saw it first and then I saw it um, a couple hours after she did. And then mm-hmm. I'm not sure who, who else um, saw like uh, what the um, how it proceeded from there. But I was throwing out some thoughts in the chat. And I'll say it again. If there is, I think, 100% valid criticism about Taskmaster, and it ties into Taskmaster not being used well, but I I felt like it was less of a matter of it not being true to the comics because we we still have to consider there's so many things that they've done differently from the comic books. And... Even when we're talking about both Marvel and we're talking about DC, we're talking about all these other adaptations. When it gets down to it, if it's done well, who cares how accurate it is? So when it came to Taskmaster, for me, it was less a matter of it, of of Taskmaster not being true to the exact comic. It was more of a matter of like they realized, the writers realized, this character is too fucking good. Like they said, this character is 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 can do all this shit. It has really there was n- so we're definitely like balls deep in spoilers now, right? Oh, totally. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. So w- one thing that I think that we we're, we're, we're haven't really brought up yet is the fact that they're controlling the the red room with some kind of like mind control nanites or whatever the fuck it was. It so, was like some like uh, chemical thing going on. Directive yeah, so, 4 from RoboCop. So the thing that I guess they don't really do a good job of explaining is, like, why they pass up, specifically Taskmaster, pass up so many opportunities. I mean, Taskmaster is only going to be as stupid as the person controlling them, but why are they so obsessed with trying to get this antidote thing and not just outright destroying it? Because really... There are so many times where Taskmaster could have just like boom, explosive arrow, credits. So there's that whole aspect where we were talking about in the chat about, and uh, um, I threw this out there. Taskmaster was like the Terminator for this movie, but you didn't get that scene like you had in the Terminator, like the original, where Arnold was tearing through those cops. There were there weren't enough red shirts there weren't wasn't enough cannon fodder to show um taskmaster just cutting loose and showing exactly what makes them so terrifying and because you're pitting taskmaster against all of these other the the other main characters basically who have the plot armor you're not going to get to see them do as much damage as they should like cool red audience a super soldier but if, if Taskmaster is as badass as they say, and they got a fucking sword, he's he's not gonna get cut like once. 
So there, there was that part where you get a sense of, yeah, they, they made Taskmaster a badass, but they also realize like, oh shit, we better make sure that the movie still happens and Taskmaster doesn't slaughter everybody. So that, that was definitely something that I had a criticism of for, for Taskmaster and how they were handled. I agree with you on that. They had to tone him down so that he didn't fucking wreck because he's not an Omega villain, but he could easily be with the right powers. He's a mini boss. Yeah. Yeah. And or, or she. Oh, oh do we, are well, we going one thing to... I, I want to throw out is that um, what, what I find a little bit odd is that um, whenever we talk about like how saying we hear these criticisms about characters not being true to their exact comic book form. I feel like for for certain characters, it's very strange how all of a sudden we get all these fans of these extremely obscure characters coming out of the woodwork. And it's like, did you really care about that character? Or did you just come out so you can bitch and moan and you can nitpick? And because it's the internet, I think a lot of times it ends up being, you know, the latter. Because that's just, you know, the internet gonna internet. Um, I was gonna say you brought up the Mandarin as an example uh, when you and I were talking before uh, the show, yeah. and that's a really good example because, as you said, yeah, it's I'm gonna basically... like I'm gonna like summarize it. So basically, it's like y- you're telling me that you were so upset that you didn't get this ultra racist you know propaganda ish um the caricature of everything you know communist and you know chinese and all this xenophobic bullshit you're telling me you wanted to to be true to that because really at the end of the day the fact that the mandarin ended up being this douchey rich white guy who was you appropriating appropriating all these other foreign cultures and creating like a puppet terrorist ended up being truer to what reality is and scarier than what you thought that Ben Kingsley should have been. Exactly. One of the the ways that, you know, you can find like another layer to it. And so um, uh, another criticism I had about this movie, though, is kind of like going back to Taskmaster and, you know, the the plot armor of the characters. I I really feel like um, Melina, Rachel Weisz's character, should have died because yes. um, if, if they were going to mm-hmm. pick one one member of the family to die, it, it definitely made the most sense for her for it to be her. Oh, absolutely. She had probably like argu- arguably like the most you know quote unquote red in her ledger, and she was still doing all these things for the red room. Um, like she she really uh, could have used that redemptive moment and. Um, in, in taking out Dracoff. So that, and that, that's definitely one, another one of my criticisms. You know, again, they should bow, you know, jo- you know, Milena, Alexi, you know, uh, I forget, my, Melina and uh, Natasha should just like join forces and bowing out and in the process, Rachel Weiss's character should have like, died in the in the heat in the heat of the battle and that's how they oh we're gonna reunite we're going to be stronger as a family yeah i i I can see how they would have like not wanted 
wanted to fall into the trap of um, fridging anybody. They they wouldn't have wanted to like or, or just you know that generic you know family member dies you know for any kind of like hero or, or in this case comic book hero in order to oh. further motivate them or oh give yeah them like that boost. A, I like when Stacy die yeah trope so you can see how they might not have wanted to do that but at the same time you you've got these these three brand new characters and of of all of them who probably has like the least to you know contribute to the rest of the universe you know not not taking anything away from what uh rachel rachel weiss can do because obviously she's, she's an extremely talented actress but in terms of what they contributed to the story and what they could contribute to the mcu going forward i feel like you know that would have been you know a, a fair sacrifice in order to up the stakes a little bit and to um i don't know maybe not necessarily for natasha but maybe to uh, affect something with um, with Elena or um, with Alexi. And let's see. There, there were um, similar to um, the, the fact that, you know, Natasha was surviving too many things. They never really gave a good explanation as to how Trakov and um, Antonia survived the whole explosion bit that they alluded to with with Budapest and all that. They never yeah, that really make good, sense. It's like they got blown up real good. Yeah, that I don't I don't understand how. I mean, you could like done anything to show him. Yeah, I don't know, jumping some kind of like hidden safe room, or even you know pushing his daughter in front of the explosive to, to save himself, or doing something, anything. But just they just glossed over it completely, and that was a little bit weird. Um, something they definitely could have touched on, but um, like I said, even when I'm, I'm thinking about things that I didn't like about the movie, um, it still kind of reminds me of things that I did. And I, um, as we were talking about a little bit before, um, the 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 themes of uh, sex trafficking, um, I, I felt like when it came to Dracoff's character. Who I'm surprised, by the way, they didn't make uh, more similar to the character that uh, Ed Brubaker established in the Winter Soldier run. I'm trying to remember his exact name. It's not coming to me right now, but he was another um, uh, powerful uh, Russian ex-military guy. I'm sure it's going to come to me as soon as the podcast is over, by the way. But um, when it comes to those themes and their tackling, um, I felt like they definitely did. A better job of that than you know um, than Captain Marvel did. Even though I like Captain Marvel, I felt like this was a more potent uh, message and more uh, it just hit a little bit harder. Especially when they just straight up said Drakeoff just you know views they're they're nothing to him because there's always going to be people who view little girls as you know disposable. And they just straight out said it. It's like, well, yeah, it's how fucked up it is. And I that's what he's such a piece of shit for that. But they could have gone further with that theme is what I feel is the problem. Like, and yes, they, they, they could have. Yeah, definitely. But it's it's coming back around to it. Um, uh, another thing that I'd heard a criticism about the movie is a lot of people were really uncomfortable with thinking about 
uh, Natasha, think about an Avenger as somebody who would sacrifice a little kid in pursuit of their own freedom and their own agenda and their own revenge. But you got to remember, like, she was not a very good person before she was an Avenger. And going back to some of the lines that we've been, yeah, that we've been heard. That's why there's the red red in the ledger. And thinking about going back to one of the lines that was like probably one of the most misunderstood lines of, of the MCU when Natasha was talking to Bruce and she was mm-hmm. talking to him in Age of Ultron. She says, you're not the only monster. And it wasn't and it had nothing to do with how it was misinterpreted with her, you know, uh, no longer being able to have kids or anything like that. It was the fact that she in that moment was just as bad as Draco. She used a little girl as a weapon in pursuit of her agenda, and she didn't care. Means to an ends. And so that's I didn't I I thought it was a good thing that they made her face that, and she didn't necessarily get off like a hundred percent like scot free from it. She had to, and she was in that moment when she had the. similar to when she was being pursued by that other widow it's like do I say myself or do I do the right thing and she could have just left Antonia to die for the sake of her own survival that was a smart move but instead she kind of submitted herself to the moment she was ready to face that justice That's that's actually a really good point a really good analysis not only of that but like you said, the misinterpretation that a lot of people have had, including myself, of the of that line in Age of Ultron. So, with that, if does anyone else have anything that they'd like to say regarding the movie? Um, yeah. Uh, to be honest, I kind of predicted that uh, the daughter was going to be Taskmaster, like a mile a minute. Maybe it's like I see like a ton of tropes, like you know, it's always like the character in the first act that will be well that will give it away or something but i can see it but also the her name antonia which is a a female equivalent to the name tony as in tony masters aka taskmaster yeah that that, they didn't really give us much other characters to be possible to be taskmaster instead so it was pretty much a given as soon as they heavily said you killed her daughter, the dude's daughter. Oh, the clearly the person chasing us is probably that person because there's nobody else being introduced. And also, oh, yeah. the, she and also they mentioned about like never never finding Dragoff's body. It's like, what about the daughter's body? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we had previously talked about this uh, a little bit before, and I think um, uh, unfortunately Dan wasn't there for it because Dan I know is also uh, another big DC guy and uh, I brought up how they they kind of made Taskmaster a little bit more similar to um, Prometheus from from DC Comics. I can see that. And it, it was really neat to see um, Taskmaster watching the you know, the recordings of all that. That's definitely how they would have got that Spider-Man move. Um, but when it comes to um, I'm. I alluded to it earlier, but I didn't want to get too far into it because in the spoilers. But I am glad that they kept it. They put. A, they set up a scenario where 
Taskmaster could live and potentially do, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. I feel like, uh, you know, I said it before, but I, I think it would have been too easy and too tempting for them to kill off Taskmaster if they made him truer to the comics. He would have been like some douchey merc, just like crossbones, and he would have been like rooting for Natasha to just murder the fuck out of this person. But instead, it's 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 more than that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I do appreciate they didn't just kill off Taskmaster, like you're saying. Hopefully they can do more with her character now that she's no longer under the spell, so to speak. Yeah. So that she can Maybe. actually do more of the comic version, if possible, or at least what something like, close to that. What the... What, like, what group? What uh, group is Mo- Taskmaster do in the in the comics, or is he like all like free agent and stuff? He's a Thunderbolt. Well, no, Taskmaster isn't a Thunderbolt. Um, He's been one. He well, like the most recent one, I think he was. He was part of like uh, Kingpin's uh, Thunderbolts in order to yep. drive. Oh, off I was aware. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so we'll call. Masters of Evil type deal. Catch up on your comics, Ian. <laughs> so we're not gonna. So, so basically, we're not gonna see the last of Taskmaster. So, so no, that could be like room for not. growth. And there's, 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 it's almost a guarantee at this point that Val is gonna show up at the end of Shang Chi and recruit Abomination. So I'm just, I'm looking forward to that. Oh yeah. Uh... Hi, I, I am Contessa Valentina, <laughs> and did I ever tell you about the Thunderbolts Initiative? <laughs> I've been waiting, but also, sorry, that, that reminds me of something. Uh, when we're talking about, and I think Ian talked about how, um, you know, maybe how the Red Room might have escaped uh, detection all this time. It's, it's it's easy to forget, and this reminds me even further about something that Dan said, and it's like, oh, we should have had a Black Widow movie earlier. And really, I feel like we, I, I would have sacrificed Iron Man 2 in a minute to get a S.H.I.E.L.D. movie. Because really, I feel like we needed a Shield movie to show and to show what what these characters are capable of, like Black Widow and and um, you know Hawkeye and Nick Fury and Maria Hill and all those guys. And like it, it's bringing it back to the Red Room. It's easy to, to forget Shield isn't around anymore. So it's like who mm. like it's like who's gonna check me, bro? Yeah, and you know it's the fact they they wrote any storyline that's part of Agents of Shield out of the timeline so it's like it would have been great to have something like that like you're saying to kind of give us a bit more weight for shield since we never mm. end up getting that version that would have been uh closer to what the mcu was trying to convey and but instead really they're hoping stuck... that they do like agents of wakanda here oh yeah and instead they're there's agents of shield is in the ghetto of tv yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, like it was good the first four or five seasons, and then it just went off the rails. They it did kind of lose weird. me with the whole time travel thing, but I yeah, think at yeah, that yeah. point they were getting the it's, sense that they weren't going to be like reintegrated or re welcomed back into the you know continuity fold. So they were just kind of yeah, like, like I said, whatever. like like we're gonna like distract you with time travel. Here you go. Boop. 
it really suffered from a weak first season. And by the time the second season came out, which was where it really shined, and they started tying it into the whole uh, Winter Soldier thing at that point. Yeah, that's was, what they're well, they're spinning their the first season. They're just spinning their wheels until Winter Soldier came around. And then when it finally, I think it was Winter Soldier, if I'm not mistaken. It was. And when it finally did, it even that tie-in was kind of wonky. It didn't really come off uh, very fluid when they tried to connect it. And I'm like, this is probably why DC kind of keeps their TV to movie stuff kind of separate as well. Because uh, it's kind of hard to keep the TV show on the same place as the movies. Just because with the movies, they can time it out like a year out, two years out. With the shows, they literally have to give new content every week uh, for like a season. So it was never 100% going to work with the, with the plan they were originally going for. And that's basically the unfortunate uh, tragedy of that show. Same with uh, eight, uh, the one with uh, uh, Agent Carter. Which sucks it, it was so good. The one it was a good Agent show. It had a, it had a really good first season, and then and then I don't know what happened in the in the second season. Although there have been really good ideas and potential. Yeah, like Agent Carter, I actually liked it the whole way through. I'm probably one of the few people that did. Uh, I but liked like it all the way through too. Me too. But like, I feel like that's another one that kind of got thrown out the window as well when they took out Shield. It's like, yay, because like even in Endgame, it's no, there's no real tie between the two. They even when they do go visit that timeline, it's like, oh man. Well, the really cool thing it when you, when you think about it, because even somebody. Because I made a comment and like it, it, it might, it might piss off Dan, it might piss off some, some other people, but they, 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 somebody posted a revelation that Chris Hemsworth did like the little bit of voice work, um, that was in the recent Loki episode, and it was like, cool, that's pretty awesome, and then I was like, damn, like they can do that, and then. Warner Brothers can't get, you know, Henry Cavill to to actually do his cameo in the, at the end of Shazam. Like the injustice of it, of the fact that, you know, they can't get their shit together and can't make it cohesive. And it's like they're doing such bonkers shit with Marvel right now that literally anything can happen. And they've kind of set it up so that we have to just deal with it and be OK with it because of the way that they've set it up. They can weave anything in and out now, and it's 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 great, and it's insane to think that we're at this point. I never thought that we would get to a point where we would be able to do all these kind of comic book type continuity mishmash uh, of dimension shenanigans that they're able to do now. And like even with the DC thing, like. They're starting to get like in a path that actually looks like they're finally correcting a lot of the issues they used to have. Wonder Woman 84 aside, as we all are very aware, what the fuck that was. Mm-hmm. But like, I, but Suicide Squad looks like it's going to be pretty good. They just wrapped up Black Adam. It's looking really awesome. Uh, just from the scale and scope of the just set shot we saw with the rock at the very end. And um, also just the fact that you're going to have a TV show based on with John Cena's uh, Peacemaker, which should be pretty interesting. And then 
whatever else is coming down the pipeline. Um, do I feel DC has done everything great? Absolutely not. There is definitely a lot of issues. Uh, it's a lot of it's not always going to be Warner Brothers' fault, but Warner Brothers does tend to like shoot Zack Snyder in the face, like the, like the Eric Andre meme. He just it's like, hey, I'm trying to make a movie, and Eric Andre turns the gun on him and just shoots him in the face type thing. Uh, well, I feel it's a little bit more like um, that bicycle meme where Zack Snyder's like, oh, I'm trying to build this universe. But, you know, he puts a stick in his spoke and the stick is Batman versus Superman. And it's like, <laughs> you still made that shit, dude. You got to own that. Like, stop pretending that that shit like was the, brilliant. Well, the director's cut did fix a lot of issues. But, yes, it is still kind of a flawed movie. I will give you that. Yeah. Like, like let's, I, let's let's bring it back down to yeah. Let's go back to where we were before. So I, you guys don't pass out here. I know you're in a different time zone. It's I don't here. want to die. <laughs> Ian's fine. Time to the chair. My limbs <laughs> they've atrophied. I guess this is where we would review it. I don't want to say anybody else had anything to say. I'm I'm square. I'm actually I'm I'm topped out. So. So who wants to go first? And who wants to throw out their their ratings? Um, you know what? No, I'm I'm just gonna do it. I'm gonna throw out mine. Um, I'm I'm gonna give this. Uh, w- w- with my uh, positive bias, I'm gonna. If we were doing like a uh like a ten scale, then it'd be different. But since we're doing out of five, I'm gonna go ahead and round up. I'm gonna give it a four out of five because of the emotional uh, resonance. It really makes me feel like if you didn't appreciate black widow before you've got no goddamn excuse now i've seen on the comments before like oh like oh they have to make her relevant and every time i see something like that it pisses me off because it's like motherfucker she is the one who stopped the hammer drone army she is the one who closed the portal over new york she is the one who freed vision's body from ultron she is the one who got hulk into the fight in age of ultron she has done so much shit. She sacrificed herself to save the goddamn universe. So keep her goddamn name out of your mouth unless it's with respect. So there it is. So I would, I personally give the movie a solid three out of five. Um, it's not a terrible movie. It's not a great movie. Uh, like I said, the strong, the first half is definitely the strongest. But uh, overall. It's not the it's not the worst it's not the worst Marvel movie by by large. I would say yeah, definitely a three out of five. It's got good things, it's got bad things. Overall, I'd say it's an average. I give it a um yeah, like I said, I felt bad, but you know I had to be honest about it. I give it a, a, a three out of five. I mean, most of it is pretty good. I like the supporting cast, but it's the third act that kind of like makes me wanna. Ugh. And I felt bad for it, but I have to be honest. And what about you, Dan? Um, I like I wanted to like it. I wanted it to be good. I wanted it to do certain things better. I'm still giving the movie a 2.5 out of five. It just was not the experience I wanted. I felt nothing. Like I. It didn't even get me emotionally invested. And there was some, some outside of the opening. And there was like some really parts where it should have been pulled. 
where it was clearly trying to pull at the heartstrings, but I wasn't just having it. I just sat there emotionless, like this is still going on. That was the other issue with the movie. It was two hours long. It was over two hours long. It was just way too long. Anyway, 2.5 out of 5. That's about it. So with that, that brings us to the end of the newest episode of Circuit 42. And as we wrap up this episode, uh, where can people find you all on social media, on the Internet? Sandra? You could find me at Sandra Soapbox at Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr. And Moose and Squirrel. You know what? That was still better than... um, and the, um, I can't even remember, then Ray Winston's Russian accent. You know, rock on. <laughs> Michael? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at 4 ducks pilot suit, and you can find me on Twitter as Phoenix Poet. Ben? You can't find me at all. That is a lie. What's your Twitter, Dan? It's twitter.com slash punkusa. And for me, you can find me on Twitter on Ian underscore R underscore Macintosh, because I'm not very creative. Obviously, though, that is not a Twitter page that I want to push. So you can find Circuit42 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as Circuit42. And, of course, you can listen to this and other episodes on iTunes and Spotify. So with that, thank you, everyone, for joining us for the newest episode of Circuit42, and good night, everyone.